coming up. It it's going to end. And it's going to end with me getting the person that killed my mom. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson. You're listening to The Daily Crime. Each year, the anniversary of your mom's murder passes. Do you get scared in a way or worried that another 15 or 20 years of your life goes by, the older you get, that um, if you don't have enough progress, do you get worried about not being able to resolve this in your life? No. I've never, I've never had a doubt that I'm going to get the person that killed my mom. We want to tell you about a case today that is featured in a new podcast from KGW in Portland, Oregon, and Vault Studios. It's called The Yellow Car, and I'm joined by Ashley Corslin, reporter and anchor at KGW and host of The Yellow Car. Previously, Ashley has hosted Urge to Kill, another uh, really fascinating podcast from KGW and Vault Studios. Ashley, thanks for joining us. Let's talk about how this case first came to your attention. There's a lot to this. We are not going to give away everything, uh, but... Let's talk about it. How, how did it come to your attention? Yeah, so it was almost two years ago. Um, I was contacted by someone who had listened to our first podcast, Urge to Kill, and they said, hey, I have a friend who has a really, really interesting story. It's on sort of a cold case from 30 years ago, right in our area in Vancouver, Washington. And she connected me with this woman named Pune Gray. Um, and Pune had quite the story to tell us about this case. And it was about her mom's murder in 1989. And um, it was almost pretty shocking to me to hear her say, I have been investigating my mom's murder for 30 years. Um, and from there, she started telling me her story. And it's it's really, really fascinating. So, Ashley, tell us what happened back in 1989, decades ago, when this murder happened. So back in 1989, a woman named Effie Antazari, uh, who was in her early 40s, a mother of two, she ran a daycare. She was leaving her apartment in Vancouver, Washington. She was leaving early in the morning to go to work and walked out of her apartment into the parking lot where her car was parked. And just around, we think it was around 6 a.m., someone walked up to her and shot her in the head. Um, and we don't really know much else because there were no witnesses to, to what actually happened. Um, but she she died instantly. She was found a short while later by a neighbor. There was one person, the, the only person who saw really anything that was of value in the investigation was a yellow car that was seen um, by a woman who lived next to Effie. She saw it out of her window. She looked down around the time of, of the shooting and saw this yellow car slowing down, kind of backing up, going at a high rate of speed, and then taking off out of the parking lot. Um, and she would later report this to police. And that's really the only witness to anything around the time of the shooting. So Effie um, dies. Her husband, Mike, is taken into custody later that night into the early next morning. Police almost instantly looked at him as the suspect. He's taken into custody, and ultimately he goes on trial and is convicted of murder. But the couple's daughter, Pune Gray, that's who we really focus um, our podcast on. It's really her effort over three decades because she is adamant. She does not believe her father had committed the murder. She says her dad would never have killed her mom, despite the fact they were going through a very contentious divorce. And Pune has made it her life's work um, to put together a case against the, a person and a group of people, really, she thinks, ordered a hit and then ultimately shot her mother. But, Ashley, what Pune and Tazari has learned over the years is that the murder had potentially a different motive. Uh, if 
we're to believe that her her father didn't do this. Tell us a little bit about what she's uncovered over the years. Yeah, and so this is the part of the story that gets really complex, and I don't want to give away too much. You'll have to listen to the podcast because we do a really deep dive into what Pune believes is the motive. But essentially, her parents uh, ran in this group of friends of people um, in Vancouver, and Pune believes that the people involved were doing some illicit, illegal activities. And um, just for some background here, the family, the Antazari family was from Iran, and so was this group of people that they they were all friends with. Um, Pune has made some, I guess, uncovered some details that she thinks they could have been involved in some sort of passport fraud past um, the Iranian Revolution. I'll just leave it at that because it gets really complex. But she's also uncovered some information that her mom might have been involved in a business deal. There was some financial motive that these people would have stood to gain with her death. Um, And so really early on, the, the way Pune even started looking at this group of people as she had always had a gut feeling that these friends of her mother's, something was wrong. Um, her mother, Effie, told Pune, you don't know how bad these people are. And so Pune believes her mother found out some of this illegal activity that the group was involved in and and potentially might have um, outed them or reported them to police. It's really anyone's best guess, but that's really what got Pune laser-focused on this group early on. You know, we're talking days, weeks after the murder. Ashley, you've spent a lot of time with Pune Antazari. Fascinating woman, obviously, you know, obsessed with this case is probably an okay term to use. Tell us about Pune a little bit and what it's been like working with her. Yeah, she's fascinating. So I've been working with her more than 18 months, going on two years now. And, you know, when when you work in this line of work, when you're a journalist, you get people who call you, email you, they have story ideas and they... You get used to, I guess, being skeptical when someone says, I have this wild story you got to hear. And that's how it started with her. She, um, you know, sort of laid it all on the table. She brought these crates of documents and photos and maps to the station when I did my first interview with her just to meet her informally. And she brought, I'm not kidding, she had maps. She put it all over this table. And when someone tells you, hey, my mom, I think, was killed by this group of people who they were involved in uh, passport fraud. And when they when she got into all the details, my mind sort of was like, this can't be real. This is like a conspiracy theory. It sounds a little, it sounds just a little crazy, right? And so um, that's how we started. But she is so um, poised and intelligent and very patient to explain the case in a way that I'm, after a while I started saying, you know, she must be onto something. And I don't know at the end of the day who did it. I don't know. Sometimes I look at the evidence and I look at the trial and the case against her dad, and it's very plausible. They made a very solid case. But then you look at what Pune and her team has put together, and that's also really solid and super compelling. And you think, what if the wrong person went to prison? Um, and it's not just Pune. I should point out that over three decades, she has spent more than a million dollars, possibly close to $2 million on her own investigation. And she's got attorneys, private investigators, forensic consultants. She's consulted the FBI, a psychic. I mean, if there is somebody out there who can help her, she has done it. And so to me, that was that was the most interesting part of this case is not so much who killed Effie and the crime. Of course, that's interesting, but really it's a case study on on this woman who refuses to give up until investigators possibly reopen the case. That's her hope. If you had to guesstimate a dollar amount over the years you've spent on this, of your uh, own money, 
Yeah, a lot. I mean, are we talking like a million dollars? Way more than that. Way more than that. Mm-hmm. Like this is your this is your life. I mean, this is who you are and what you stand for. It is. And when I didn't have any money back thirty years ago, if I had a little bit, I'd spend it on this case. So whatever free money I had would go towards um, working on this. Mm-hmm. And as my income grew, then same thing. So I've always devoted. Um, money towards this case. Your, you have, so you have two daughters and your husband. How do they describe this effort? It's been their whole lives too. It has been. They're just used to it. It's a part of my life. They understand it. They're supportive of it. They don't ask too many questions because they hear me talking on the phone all the time. <laughs> and they see my charts. Do they just roll their eyes? No. Or no, are they pretty, they, they're good with it? Yeah. They are. I mean, the older one's a little more vested, of course, Mm -hmm. than the younger one. Um, You know, my husband goes back and forth between, you have such a good life, why are you doing this to yourself? Mm -hmm. But I don't see it as doing anything to me. I see it as a part of me. Ashley, let me ask you, I'm not sure how to phrase this exactly, but what is Punik, what do you think she cares about the most? Clearing her father's name or finding the actual killers. I mean, I guess those go hand in hand, but you know, if her father was wrongly convicted, is that really what's guiding her determined efforts all these years? Uh, That's a great question. I have asked that to her many times, um, just trying to understand her process and her why. I've asked her that. What's your why? Why are you doing this? Why do you go to these great lengths, all of this trouble. I mean, her her kids have lived it. Her husband lives it. This is this is her identity at this point, and it's it's really interesting because if it were me, I'd say, well, I want to clear my dad's name. Of course, it would be. I guess that would be my answer if I were in her shoes. If you felt your father was wrongly convicted, but for her, I think I think that's part of it. But. You know, her answer always has been from the beginning through the dozens of times I've asked her this is about her mom. And she told me this really kind of this powerful story when she visited her mom in the funeral home and the um, employees there needed to take the body away. And Pune asked them to let let her mom be there for another moment. She wanted a little more time with her. And she said, I told my mom in that moment that I was going to get the people who got her. I, I didn't think it was my dad. And I promised my mom that day, I'm going to find the people responsible. So... I, I guess to her, it's really just finding the people she thinks did this and they're out. I mean, you know, if they really did do it, they're out living their lives freely all these years later. And to her, she doesn't want that. She wants justice and she wants them held accountable. I remind myself, I mean, definitely there are times when I'm like, what am I doing? Because you get tired. And, um, and like I said, you get rejection. You get rejected quite a bit. And I'm kind of used to that, but it's still, I still get down when that happens. But the fact is that someone took her life and she had at least another 40, maybe 50. She was in really good health left. And so I shouldn't, I shouldn't feel bad about me. But. If I don't do it, it will eat me up. You know, it just takes a piece of you 
every single day. And I mean, there has not been one day that's gone by since my mom's murder that I haven't thought about her and this case. So it's time. Tell us a little bit, Ashley, about the evidence against Mike Antazari, Pune's father, back in 1989, uh, why police, you know, honed in on him and he was arrested. Well, the case was largely circumstantial against Mike, but here's here's the, the oddest part of this whole thing that I have never been able to wrap my brain around is um, the day of the shooting, the police come and track Mike down. They do a search of his car. Detectives don't find anything. There's no gun in the car, nothing. Fast forward late that night, they do, after they get a warrant to search his house, they go and look in his car again. And for some reason, on this second search, there's a gun, um, a little handgun, under the mat in the backseat of his car. So, of course, they say, okay, he must be our guy. He has a gun in the car. Well, fast forward to the trial. Um, this is the biggest piece of evidence that the prosecutor brings against Mike is this gun because a forensic, uh, a ballistics expert had tested the, uh, the bullet found at the scene of the crime against Mike's gun and said this is absolutely the gun that this bullet came from. Um, But here's the thing that's really fascinating, and this is what Pune's team will point to time and time again, is the state brought two experts to testify that that was definitely the gun who killed Effie. The defense had two others who said it It could have been, but it could have been any other gun. And so there you have a lot of controversy and a lot of question, really, about was it this gun? Because that was, in my opinion, the single most important piece of evidence that I think solidified that that jury's mind that this is the guy who did it. Because they didn't really have much else against Mike. There was no blood spatter on his clothes. There was no gunshot residue on his hands. Um... He didn't have an alibi for the morning of the shooting, so that kind of went against him. But the crux of the case was really this gun. And we dive pretty deep into that in the podcast, and we we talked to a lot of experts about um, the science and the ballistics evidence that was recovered. And so it gets really fascinating. I I hope you guys listen to that part. Ashley, this case has had recent developments. Uh, It it just doesn't stop, actually. And we delayed the launch of the podcast due to some of what's been happening uh, behind the scenes uh, can you talk a little bit about that as well? Yeah, I've I've personally, in my decade plus in news, never had to actively report a case and be so careful to tiptoe around some of the information that we have as we had to in this case. Um, we did delay the launch um, once already because of really what it's about is she's hoping investigators are going to pursue some of the people she believes were involved in this murder. And some things, believe it or not, she has uncovered during the pandemic is what she thinks is going to blow up in the case. Um, I won't say too much here, but there's some DNA recovered um, through some new technology and new testing that could point the finger at somebody else they've identified. Um, and and some other things as far as financial motive and some documentation they've uncovered. And so we had to be extremely careful because we were privy to a lot of this information um, and she did not want it out there yet. And I understand that it could compromise a potential investigation. So it's been this really um, sort of delicate dance as to want to, you know, suck the listeners in and really make them make everybody feel as they can follow the case and follow along, but then not to give up too much information in the chance that investigators do take another look at this. Ashley, before I let you go, the yellow car itself, the one that a witness claims to have seen uh, the day of the murder, 
it comes back into the story uh, later on, right? Yeah, it absolutely does, and it plays a really big role in our second half of the episodes later on. Um, So, as I told you, you know, the only person who saw anything the morning of the shooting was a neighbor who saw this yellow car speeding down and, or slowing down and speeding out of the parking lot near the area where Effie's body was found. Um, Pune and her team, they have felt that, you know, police never tracked down the car and never were able to find out the driver. Uh, Officials said, you know, we don't know if it had anything to do with the murder. That was their sta- their take on it. But Pune has never been able to let that detail go, and she felt that was the most inter- the most compelling piece of evidence um, because her dad didn't have a yellow car. And so I, what I will say is that the yellow car definitely does come back into play, and um, Pune and her team feel that they have tracked the car down. And so you will have to listen in on the podcast to hear more about that and how it possibly connects to this group of people. She suspects. All right, Ashley Corslan at KGW in Portland, Oregon. Thanks for being here with us. We appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, Will. Thanks for listening to The Daily Crime. We're here every weekday, Monday through Friday, with new episodes. Be sure to let your friends and family know about The Daily Crime. We'll see you next time for Vault Studios. I'm Will Johnson. <laughs>